family. As I look around and I see familiar faces, people that have walked with me um, through different seasons of life, who have held my hand on plane rides uh, when I've been scared of flying and things like that, going to Haiti. Uh, I just, my heart's full to be in a place um, where the family of God is present. And um, just had to reflect on that because that, that was kind of like, a hallmark of joy this morning as I got to just talk with people. Um, So this is the family of God, and uh, if this is your first time, my name is Aaron Means, and um, Jay Francoeur is our pastor, Jay up front here, and um, today I get the privilege of speaking on Hebrews chapter 12, and we're talking about running the race of faith, and uh, running the race of faith. I've kind of been... I've been chewing on this passage for a couple weeks now, and um, Hebrews is a very dense book. It's a very dense book because it's written to a, a people that have a very intensive knowledge of the Old Testament, um, and it's written to a people that are experiencing persecution, they're experiencing hardship because of their decision to follow Christ. Um, and one of the things in reflecting upon that for me was how far in that notion, how far in that experience of accepting hardship joyfully for following Christ is to my, my limited 39-year experience on the East Coast of North America where we're really privileged um, to be in a place where we don't experience that yet. Um, and I say yet, not because this is a message about doom, about what's coming or anything like that. Uh, but I say that with the reality that we're not guaranteed that kind of comfort in the world that we live in. Um, and one of the things that I, w- in my preparation, I felt the Holy Spirit was leading me to is... I wanted to step outside of my experience, my limited 39 years in North America on the East Coast in kind of a comfort-insulated Christianity, my experience. And I wanted to read about people who are currently not in that place. Um, Because the writer to the book of Hebrews was writing to a people that were in the thick of it, so to speak. They were experiencing hardship They were experiencing persecution. And their temptation was to turn back. Their temptation was to throw in the towel. Their temptation was to say, enough. Or, I'm more familiar with what I came from, and this is uncomfortable and unfamiliar. So one of the things in my preparation that I came across um, in Googling, like, looking for stories, not be, not to make them like a spectacle, um, but really to, to understand the mindset of somebody who is going through persecution and how they walk through that in the same way that we look in chapter 11. I'm, I'm going to be jumping around. You guys are just going to have to put on your seat buckles, belt buckles and like just try to follow. And i I'm just praying that God's spirit will bring this all together. And I know he will because he's really faithful. 
So I, I came across an article of a pastor who is a pastor in China. Um, and January, the article was written January 7th, 2019. And uh, he wrote a really lengthy article. I'm not going to read it, but I just want to highlight some of his experience. And then we're going to go into a little bit of chapter 11 so that we can understand chapter 12. Does that make sense? Okay, so this pastor, um, in the communist regime, the government's been cracking down heavily upon people that are a threat to the state's um, kind of allocation and power. You know, Christians are a threat to that. So this pastor was meeting with the church. It's about 100 members. And he decided instead of meeting in closed doors and houses and kind of in secret, he was going to hold open air meetings. He felt God's spirit was leading to this. And when he did it, he was arrested and he was put in jail and he had prepared a letter. Um, this was not taken lightly. And he prepared a letter that upon 48 hours after his um, imprisonment would be pu- posted publicly And the letter, when I read it, I'll be honest, it kind of shocked my senses. Because I wasn't reading about something that happened somewhere in a land far, you know, a long, long time ago in a land far away. I was reading about someone's experience right now. Um, And his letter was boldly proclaiming Jesus saying that he's still, he believes God puts authorities in control, but that his purpose was to redirect to the God who is in control when authorities don't follow him. And his whole purpose was to say that as Christians, we are under a higher calling and we have a greater mission. And that's kind of where I want to transition today, that when we read about Hebrews chapter 12, when we read about the race of the Christian life, we are under a higher supervision, and we are given a greater power for this race. We have brothers and sisters that are running it despite persecution, and I want to learn from them, and I want to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us as he would, to encourage us, maybe to get some of us outside of our comfort. And that's why at the forefront, I'm mentioning the pastor in China who's joyfully, in reality, accepting this persecution. And I want to say that we, as a people, as the family of God, God has a purpose in calling us to this race together. So let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you do do not call us to something that you did not first lead us in. And this morning, you call us to run the race of the Christian life because... You conquered death. 
in our place. You took sin, our sin, upon yourself on the cross. You've destroyed our enemy. And you empower us for the race ahead of us, God. And we want to be people that run with endurance and that finish well. And we just confess that we're weak and we're tired. And we can't do this, Lord. We can't do this in our own strength. We do not have the willpower. It's not a matter of willpower. It's not about might and power, but it's by your spirit. So we ask for your Holy Spirit to come to meet each heart right now in this room in their greatest need, God. I pray that you'd refresh, encourage, that you do a work by your spirit. And we commit that to you in Jesus' name. Amen. How many on your way to church, um, you kind of stumbled across or you came in contact with the bike race that's kind of moving through our area? Did anybody come across that? One, two, three, four. Well, if you don't know, today, I didn't know, um, there's a bike race that's traveling from Philadelphia and to the shore. It's a city to shore ride. And um, it was kind of appropriate. I'm not a runner. And we're talking about running the race today. And I'm like, I'm not even going to pretend to talk about running because... I'm not, I'm just, a. I do not like running. I'm a terrible runner. Any, anybody else that just does not enjoy running? If you do, awesome. It's great. I think it's a great discipline. It's good to put discipline in front of you and like gear your body towards it. I'm not a runner. I prefer cycling and I'm not even a good cycler right now. But I prefer cycling because it amplifies your power. It multiplies your power. So for a couple strokes, you're moving a little bit faster along. Um, so on the way to church this morning... As I'm thinking about the analogy of a race, um, I'm watching kind of the race go by. And as I'm stopping at McDonald's and getting like a sausage, egg and cheese biscuit and a hash brown, um, for a moment as I was pulling in, I'm like, man, I, I should kind of feel wrong about I'm talking about giving the race. And I'm watching these people that are like, you could just see visible pain on a lot of their faces. Like a guy pulling off his helmet while riding and he's like, I don't know if he's going to fall over on his bike, but I've been in his shoes and I understand the place of enduring even though it's grueling at the moment and I'm eating a sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit with a hash brown and an orange juice. Um, so I don't know what to make of that. I just thought the irony is kind of funny. Um, so why don't we go to our text? Our text today, as I said, is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 13. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in front of you in the chair, uh, bottom in front of you. And if somebody gets to that page, you can call it out so it makes it easier for the rest. I'll give you a moment. If not, it's going to be projected behind me. And I'm going to begin reading it. Does anybody have the page number? Wow. Good sword drill. Love that. 844. Thank you. Hebrews 12, 1 to 13. It reads, Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him 
who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have, and have, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Love that verse. <laughs> Love it. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. It's a big passage. There's a lot in there. We're going to start at the beginning. Um, a preacher that I've listened to and I've come to respect, um, he's run his course. Um, so he's with the Father now. Is a man named Derek Prince. And one of the things that I, I heard when reading this passage is in his British accent, very austere. He says, anytime you see a therefore, and I'm not going to, I'm just going to drop the British accent at this point. Um, anytime you see a therefore, look back to see what it's there for. This therefore is, it's emphatic and it's important because the writer to the Hebrews is saying, in light of everything I just said in chapter 11, consider what I'm about to say. So it's a bridge between the two chapters. And I'm not going to go over all of chapter 11 because I probably couldn't do it today. It's such an intense chapter, the hall of faith. So we're going to take gleamings from it. But he's saying it's so important what I just said. In light of that truth, understand what I'm about to say. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... So here's what we're going to learn from that. The by faith chapter in the hall of faith that's in chapter 11 are people in the word of God that were flawed individuals but that lived by faith for the promise that God declared for them. They lived by that faith looking forward to the greater runner who ran the greater race, who ran it perfectly. 
they lived, some of them, not seeing the promises. Like Moses, leading the people to the brink of the promised land, but not entering it, seeing it from afar and welcoming it. Because they were aliens and strangers on this earth. Recognizing that, right, it says, because they have a citizenship which is in heaven. So, the writer's saying, take example from their life of faith, what they endured, so that you'll be prepared, I will be prepared, to run the race with endurance that is set before us. Look at their example of people who finished the race well. Look at their example of of the ways in which they stumbled, so when you stumble, you can get up, receive forgiveness, shake the dust off, and follow the course that Christ set before you. That's one of the reasons I brought the context of the pastor in China, because in the same way the writer in Hebrews is looking at the people across the whole of the Old Testament, Noah, Moses, Isaiah, Abel. All these different stories is because in order for us to understand the race that we're in and what we're called to, we have to get outside of ourselves. We are, I am my own worst enemy. And that's, is anybody else their own worst enemy? Am I alone? Yeah, I know we are. We don't need to show hands. We know it. We know that... And that's the thing. When we're talking about the idea of a race, if anybody's who ever tackled something like a marathon, I haven't, um, but an endurance bicycle ride maybe, the biggest obstacle in the moment is your own mind. And training plays a pretty big part. But you're in a race against, in a self, in a sense, your your own Mine and your own self. So the first thing the writer does is directs us to the cloud of witnesses. Not necessarily because they're all looking down at us right now. I'm not going to get into that where they are or not. You know, it doesn't, I don't think that's the point. I think the point is to direct us to people who have finished the course and then it propels our eyes forward if we keep reading to the one who is actually able, as we look at him, to strengthen us for our race. So let's keep reading. Let's not. Let's do something different. Um, So the next verse says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. The first thing I want to ask, we dialogue here at this church. If you're not familiar with our gathering, um, you get to participate. Yay. So... The first thing that I had on my mind in terms of a dialogue was dealing first with throwing off everything that hinders. So that's my question I'm asking is, in light of Hebrews and in light of your own experience, what are some things that hinder? Okay, What, what is a hindrance may not be a sin, just some things that hinder our race. So you get to participate, so I'm asking, what are some things that hinder Yes, Arlene. Distractions. 
Okay. Busyness. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Work distractions. The past. Thank you for saying that. That's definitely a hindrance. I definitely experienced that hindrance. Yes. Whoa. I didn't even think about that one. But that's a really good one. This is why we asked the question. What we think the race is going to look like. A lot of times we prepare for a race. We're thinking best case scenario. Then we get out there that day and we are not prepared. You know? I'm going back to actual physical race analogy, obviously. But sometimes the race looks different than what we envisioned. Thank you, James. Money. How so? Expand. I mean, we can all figure it out, but... Okay. Yeah, so I guess if we were to follow that train of thought, um, it could be like a lack of trust or faith in God. So we race for our own provision rather than trust. And it's a necessary, like we need it to survive, but God promises that he supplies. You know, consider the lilies. Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah. My own selfishness and laziness. I'll restate that in the first person. Um, as I pull into McDonald's to get a sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. <laughs> like, with hash browns and an orange juice. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. So we recognize that, that we are our own worst enemy in that sense. Um, and it, one of the things that I, I'm going to tease on yours further with my own kind of like, um, I heard a preacher once say, if you preach from your weakness, you'll never be short of material. And I was like, wow, that's pretty wise advice because we know our own weaknesses so well. Um, so for me, one of the biggest things in terms of like, Jumping off selfish lazy, selfishness and laziness is, is comfort, the desire for comfort. Because they're, I think they're hand in hand. And, um, f- like for me, the desire for comfort can supersede the willingness to be uncomfortable in the race that God has put me in. I've also heard it said that when we put ourselves in uncomfortable situations, we allow the comforter to come in. Like if we were always just living in our own comfort, we really would have a very little need of the Holy Spirit, who is the great comforter, right? Anybody else? Yeah. It can be a distraction um, if we get caught up in kind of living under their story. I get what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, and I think in, in some... We have to be careful of, um, I'll phrase it this way. I was reading an article by John Piper, a pastor um, in Minneapolis. And one of the things that he was stating in the article was a shift of the, of the way we think about these hindrances. And um, he was speaking about, in this article about like the friends that we keep, the company that we keep, right? And there's a tension there because God has given us a commission to go into the world and preach the gospel, you know, sometimes using our words. Um, but there's also a tension in scripture where it's don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers and then what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? So 
that's an area where I think we submit to the Spirit. We listen to the Spirit. Because there are times and seasons where we need to withdraw from certain friends and fellowships because they're dragging us down. And there's that's not where God has us in that season. Um, and one of the things that John Piper pointed out, which I was thankful for his approach the way he pointed it out, was rather than asking the question, is this a sin? Is this a sin? Should I be doing this? Rephrase the question to yourself in how is this particular situation, person, um, this issue helping me to follow Christ? How is this helping me to run the race? So that when we ask those questions, we view it in light of the race that we're called to um, in, in terms of setting our eyes on Jesus so that he can empower our steps and our running. So thank you for bringing that up, pointing that out. Um, because we, we're very um, easily influenced and we can drift. And drifting happens slowly. It's like a lobster in a pot. You place a lobster in a cool pot, he's chilling. You turn up the heat, and it gradually raises until he's cooked. Um, you don't just throw him in a hot, boiling water right away, because usually they try to splash and get out, or a crab, take whatever metaphor you'd like. Um, so one of the things, as I was thinking through this text... I wanted to address are the are the who, what, when, where, how, why of the race so that we can properly frame the race so that we can understand it the way God wants us to understand it. So let's go with the easy questions first. You ready? Who? Us. When? Now. Where? Right where we are. We don't have to go anywhere special to enter the race of the Christian life. Um, the tougher questions... I think if we really consider them and we don't just give the, the, the rote maybe church answer that we know, but we investigate our hearts, due diligence to investigate our hearts in light of the gospel, in light of this truth, are the why and how. Uh, so I spend a lot of time, as I said in the beginning of the service, investigating my heart for the why. So I'm going to pose that question to you, not to answer it, but for the purpose of your communion and walk with Christ, that you would investigate that. Because I think it's it's really good to do litmus tests on our heart. That we would... Okay, the verse that I'm thinking of speaks to us being concerned with the issues of our heart because out from it flow the issues of life. It's the wellspring of life. So the Holy Spirit leads us at times to check our thought stream, to check what comes out of our heart. And at the forefront, I want to say the reason that he does that is always to purify us, always to free us, always to lead us in the way that Jesus walked. He's our example. So my question to you, as as we're kind of dialoguing this, and even later this week, is... Think about, in light of the race that we're talking about, running the race of the Christian life, which is not a sprint, it's a marathon, it's long, what are you running towards? It's the first thing. 
So what is the goal? And I'm not saying what is the goal, but what is in, in coming to Christ, if you have come to know Jesus as the one who took your sin upon the cross, shed his blood in place of you, died the death that you should have died to sin, was buried in the grave for three days, rose again because the grave could not hold him. In so doing, opened up a way for us, you, all of us, to bring our sins to God so that we would not meet an angry God in his wrath, which we would have if we didn't come to Christ. And if you're not in Christ, the message today says, today, if you hear the Lord's voice, don't harden your heart. Come to him. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. It's His yoke is easy because he takes the heavy yoke of your sin off of you, puts it on himself, thereby freeing you to have his righteousness, the righteousness of him in place of you, my sinfulness. He took that off me, put it on himself so that I could be freed before God. I'm going to read Ephesians. Um, I always feel we have to put in the forefront the gospel and remind ourselves of the gospel. We're talking about drifting and litmus tests. One of the greatest things that we can do is steep ourselves inside the gospel and never depart from it. That's the greatest keeper of our soul is understanding that we need to be in a place, I need to be in a place, my heart needs to be in a place where it's anchored to something other than myself, than my willpower, my mind. So Ephesians 2, 4 to 8 says, but God, this is the gospel, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches, immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. So the question I would say, Have you come to know him? In order for God to remove the blinders from our eyes, to equip us and empower us in the race, we have to be fueled by a power greater than ourselves. We cannot do this in our own willpower. This is a race that no one can run. No one, not the greatest athlete, not the person with the greatest willpower, not the greatest, most inspiring story, no one is able. We, I take comfort in that because I know myself. I know my weakness, my selfishness, my own will. 
the only way we can run this race is by dying the death that Jesus died. We consider our lives no longer ours. So we're freed to live in the power that he gives because he ran the better race. Do you know that this morning? That's the greatest joy. To know that you're weak, but there's one who's really strong. And he's he wants to come and run this with you, run it through you with the power that he gives. I'm just going to surrender to the fact that some days you follow the notes really closely and some days you don't. So we're talking about the why, right? Um, and I had to check my heart in terms of the whys. Like, who am I running towards and why am I running? Without knowing it, we can put a lot of good things in our path. And here's what I'm going to say by good things. Um, we can include a lot of other things without knowing it in our race that God says, I'll take care of. You don't need to carry those weights. You don't need to include it. That's why the writer to the Hebrews first, after saying, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you have to throw off things in order to run. One thing about runners that it talks about in this time, if we look at like ancient Greece, they ran in barely nothing, you know, like whatever. Because they were in a contest and they had to run without anything catching the wind, without anything encumbering them. It's kind of like if you were running, you wouldn't first drink you know, half a gallon of chocolate milk and not sleep. In this, their preparation, we know these things just naturally, their preparation was to be all about the race. So what we can take from that, the application that I'm thinking is, the writer of Hebrews is saying, put the race... Fix your eyes on Jesus in the forefront. Run as in a way to win. Not about competition. We're not in competition with other people. But run as in a way to win and throw off anything that doesn't help you in your pursuit of Christ. Anything. Good things can get in your way. Good things like, you know, I'm a father. I have three children. A four-month-old. You know, I can begin to think more about my provision and what I do and securing it, making decisions in the future based upon making sure I have a really stable income and that there are no hiccups. And the, here's the thing. That's, we kind of want that. I kind of want that. I want to, I want to not, to be honest, I'm just being, I want to not trust in God. I want to have it so I don't have to trust. But that's a hindrance to me. And that's one of the things God revealed is I, I can't run this race if I put something in my path and say, I'll run the race, God, as long as you don't touch that. Because he's a father who sees a perspective greater than ours. And he says, 
actually, you can't run the race if you put that before you because you're going to run in the wrong direction. The race I have set for you, you have to first submit that to me. It's the only way you can be free. So what what hinders us this morning? I want us to see, I want to see, we're walking through this together, we're a body. That's the other thing, we're in this race together. We run it individually, but we can't run it without each other. Each person will live and die and stand before God alone, not with another person there to speak on their behalf other than Christ. So the race is solo in that way that we stand before our creator, the author and perfecter of our faith, with or without Jesus. That's the choice. We can either stand with him, with his righteousness, or we can stand on our own merit. And by God's grace, I want to, I'm standing here. I'm not standing there. So it's individual, but it's also that we can't do this without the family. The family of God. We need encouragement. We have blind spots. Others sometimes have a better view of our life, the decisions we make, the blind spots that we have, than ourselves. So in love and in fear of God, we submit ourselves one to another because that's the way God intended it. He intended us to be a body. I'm thankful for the body of Christ here. That's why I open with that because there are times where we need to rest on the strength of another. I'm thankful for David. There are times when my mind just becomes a complex place to live and I don't even want to live there. And there have been times where I've just, I've thought, I just need to get out. I need to pray with someone else. I need to kind of talk about things with them, whatever I'm going through, and then I just need to to kind of fall on the weight of another. This past year, when we were kind of going through a rough season at the time, you know, me and my wife, our our four-month-old Eva, they called us um, like um, three weeks, a month after she was born, and they said, you know, she's testing positive for cystic fibrosis. You're going to have to go and take these tests. And there was a long waiting period We're talking about the weight of life and things that hinder and a body and a family that runs with us. You can't do this alone. And the reason I say I'm thankful for David, kind of to brag on my brother in Christ, is I'm, and I always get to a place where I get emotional in the service and I'm always like, I'm going to be the dude that's like strong, and but no. Um, But I remember in a moment just speaking with David by the back of the church just bearing the full weight of uncertainty, right? But bringing it before God, knowing that he's a father that gives good gifts to his kids, right? And I just remember David kind of grabbing the back of my neck, putting his forehead against mine, and just praying with me. And even like weeping with me a little bit. That's why we're a family. One of the things that I felt God impress upon my heart for us today is that be a Barnabas to the body. If you're going to purpose to be 
in this body be a Barnabas. Barnabas was the son of encouragement. I want to be, I want to be a Barnabas to this body. We can't run this without each other. We need people that spur one another on to love and good deeds, right? The weight of life is heavy at times, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ is greater than the heaviness. He is able through us collectively, not in and of ourselves in the ways that we want, to lift heavy burdens. He's the only one. I'm going to brag on my community group a little bit more. If you're not a part, um, we have groups in this church that the mission of the groups is to be family, missionaries, and disciples, which means we want to love each other like family. We want to disciple one another in the word so that we can follow Jesus better, remove hindrances from our life, spur one another on to love and good deeds. And then we're listening to the Holy Spirit, to, to the people that he has already sent us to, so that we, like Paul, can consider ourselves sent to them to take them from darkness to light. That's the commission we've been given by Christ. He empowers us to do that. It's not about ourselves. And another time that I've found that the body of Christ is helpful with the race that we want, we run, is two days ago in our community group. Um, when the issues of life weigh heavy, there's great strength in community. Our community group came together and we just kind of sat around the dinner table after dinner and we just talked about the things that were weighing on our minds. And then we just prayed together, listened to God on one another's behalf and spoke into one another's life. There have been people in this body that have come alongside of me and my family during tough seasons and just the presence of a loving member of Christ is enough to get us through a season. The words spoken at the in due season at the right time under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit has great power. The prayer of faith has great power in its working. So we're in this together. All right. Let's get back on track. When? Okay. The race began yesterday, but don't look back. Today is the day that God empowers us to run. And you need no special training other than the one who trains, the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ, steeped in his word. One of the verses that I came across, um, specifically dealing with the past, because that's something that can be a subtle influencer of our minds and can get in the way of our race. I'm speaking for myself. Even on the way to church, I was just kind of like saying, that voice, that doesn't belong to God. That's the past, and he remembers my sins no more. So there's not even room for you to leave a message right now. Inbox is full. It's taken care of. Micah 7, 18 to 19. Who is like you? Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Other places say, 
that it's the sea of forgetfulness. Because God casts our sin as far as the east is from the west. You can't measure the distance between. You can't find that. It's infinite. And he remembers them no more. It's amazing. In thinking about what am I racing towards and what is the goal of the Christian life, that's a really big question. And I'm still running after to understand that better. I haven't arrived. But the best answer I can say today is that the goal of the Christian life is Jesus himself. There is no other goal. We are the bride. He's the groom. The goal is unbroken intimacy with Jesus. That we would see him. We would know him. That he would be our greatest joy. And that we would be really radical and vigilant to notice when other things, other joys, other issues of the heart get in the way of our love with Jesus. And even good things would get thrown to the side so that we could fix our eyes upon him. Paul talks about that really, really well. So I want to read the way Paul talks about it in Philippians. Philippians 3, 7 to 14. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends upon faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Just think on that for a second. Really let that sink deep, that word right there that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Your sin stayed in the grave. Jesus rose again. And we who have died the death with him, our, our old self has been crucified with Christ so that we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. That's knowing the power of his resurrection. That we may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Are we okay? I'm going a little over time, but I'm not done. I'm going to finish. I don't feel like I'm ready to finish. I want us to get this. This is worth our attention. 
I want to get this. I want, I want my life to be free from distraction so that I, like Paul, can say, I count everything else as rubbish. It's only by the Holy Spirit that we can do that. For me, one of the biggest things that God addressed in my heart was the idea of my own comfort. I like tacos. I like skateboarding. I like iced coffee. I like my own schedule. But if I begin to live my life for those things, to make that the majority of my life, I lose the hearing of his voice. We don't have to be like perfectly self-disciplined like a runner in order to gear ourselves to run this race. We do need discipline. God talks about that. But what we need is to submit ourselves to God for discipline. This is not a test of willpower. Even the most enduring spirit, human spirit, is going to grow weary. The only one that can empower us for this race is Christ himself. And that's why we're called to fix our eyes on Jesus. I'm going to read this quote, and we're going to close shortly after that. Um, Charles Spurgeon, in his commentary on Hebrews 12, said this. I found this really helpful. We are helped to run to the end, not only by what Jesus Christ has done for us, by what Jesus is doing in us. Beloved, you who are in the middle of the race, remember that Jesus Christ sustains you. You're not running in your own power. I'm not running in my own power. Every atom of your strength for running comes from your Lord. Look to Him for it. Don't take a step in your own strength nor seek after any virtue or growth or progress apart from his life and grace. He says, your fruit comes from me. Running the race comes from me. What I'd like to do, I'd like to read this last verse, and then I believe that God wants to refresh us by his spirit for the race ahead forgetting what lies behind. So I'm going to read this last verse, uh, then we're going to enter a time of listening prayer. Um, this verse is Zechariah 4.6. And this is where I think I want to close, we want to close together. Understanding there is one who can equip us, We want to remove every distraction and put ourselves before him in his presence. Zechariah 4.6 says, Then he said to me, This is the amplified version. I'm going to do a tiny bit of explaining just because it won't make sense otherwise. Then he said to me, This continuous supply of oil is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, prince of Judah saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, 
of whom the oil is a symbol, says the Lord of hosts. Zerubbabel was tasked with something that seemed impossible. He was tasked with rebuilding the temple at a very difficult time. It would be easy to rely upon your own strength or your own wisdom for something that seems insurmountable. Similarly, with us, the race that we have to win, we might rely upon our past experience with God. We might rely upon our own strength at times. But the only way that we can finish well, and that is our goal, is by His Spirit. Father, thank You that You don't call us in our own strength. You don't demand upon us to do, to run the race that is set before us with our own willpower. But that you sent your son who in the garden, even though he wanted the cup to pass before him, surrendered to your will and he said, not my will, but yours be done. Father, we want to learn how to deny ourselves to lay down our will. To listen to your voice and to do your will, God. And we confess we can't do that without you. So Holy Spirit, would you come speak to us during this listening time, God. Refresh hearts that need refreshment. Lord, if, if we need to hear that Discipline comes from you and we need to receive correction, God. We re- I pray that we'd receive that correction by your grace and mercy and we'd be set back on the course in your timing, God. Come and have your way with us, Lord. I pray that we would see you clearly as we fix our eyes on you when we leave here. In Jesus' name, amen.